We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Jacob Morley. I'll be your host today. I am joined by Ross Uglum. Ross, welcome to the 13-3 and edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. How are you feeling sitting at 13-3? and I'm great, man, and I'd like to apologize to the good people of Pack-A-Day. Uh, I, I, I know it seems like I'm big-timing you. I'm not. It just... The way things worked, kind of, uh, that I haven't been on the show in either two or maybe even three of uh, Jake and I's goes. But as you mentioned, the Green Bay Packers certainly did just fine without me. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, last week, you know, with with the holidays and stuff, too, it just can kind of throw you for a loop. But we are back, and, yeah, they did fine, fine without us. Um, fine would probably be a word that you could describe yesterday's victory with. They were fine, you know. Um, I know yesterday for me, Ross, just watching the game, expectations can really throw a wrench into how you watch a football game. And for me, my expectation yesterday watching that game was going to be kind of a, a throwback, just fun game to watch where your team is up by multiple scores, 
guys are getting involved, you know, young guys. I was kind of expecting to get a good look at Dexter Williams yesterday. I was kind of hoping that Jay Sternberger would be a little bit more involved in the game plan and they could rest, you know, some of these guys like Aaron Jones and maybe even Aaron Rodgers, you know, if they got up enough. But that was not the case in yesterday's game. And obviously we saw the Packers actually have to rely on really their best offensive players to move the ball. Um, I just tweeted out, you know, Pro Football Focus comes out with their grades weekly. And as always, it's not the Bible. It is a tool. And, you know, some people get that get that twisted. It is just a tool. Um, but if you're using that tool to kind of gauge who made plays for the Packers yesterday, you could really say their top five offensive players were the top five graded guys. The, the top five, it was like Bakhtiari, Bulaga, Adams, Jones, and, and, uh, and Adams. And Rogers, sorry. Um, and those really, you could say those are the, the five guys that really got it done for the Packers yesterday. I mean, that screen at the end of the game, I don't know who tweeted it out, but it I don't know what, you, what your thoughts were going through that, and I'll let you walk us through it. But I honestly thought Rogers was throwing that ball at someone's feet. And then all of a sudden, 33 emerges out of that scuffle and really sealed the game. Um, but like we were saying, 13-3, and three, man, you know, people are talking about this being a week 13 and three team. And, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe they are. Who, who knows? Who cares? It doesn't matter because they're in the playoffs. They have a first round by. They have an opportunity in front of them to play a home playoff game and to advance to the NFC championship game, which who knows that, you know, they don't they did not secure home field advantage throughout the playoffs. If you watch the Seattle game last night, it came down to, you know, inches away from the Packers being the one seed. Didn't happen for them. But you never know. 49ers could lose. If they lose, then it, it goes through Lambeau. So, uh, Ross, what are your thoughts on, you know, the, the kind of the frustrating game yesterday? Uh, I think you, you made an excellent point just in the sense that, yeah, expectations of what was going to happen really threw off, I think, you know, people's evaluation of the game. But at the same time, I mean, they were not good for – the, the first half of that game, I, I don't think you can be pleased with anything. I mentioned it on, on Gilbert and I's podcast this morning that, you know, the the entire rhythm of the game, I think, was thrown off by the Jimmy Graham drop on the first play from scrimmage. Now, am I going to blame that entire performance on Jimmy Graham? No, no, I'm not. But what I will say is if if they do complete that ball, they're probably in a rhythm and they probably score on that first drive and then it's seven nothing and everything that the Lions wanted to do running the football right up the middle against the nickel and then after Goodson got hurt the dime, some of that stuff becomes more and more difficult for uh, Detroit to run. You put more of the game on David Blau and I, I think that the ability to kind of eviscerate the Lions was there. Rodgers missed some throws, uh, receivers, you know, missed some routes, missed some catches, frankly. And I think that reflects in pro football focuses reasonably high grade for Rodgers. So many, uh, you know, of your, your average fans, even bloggers and writers thought he was, you know, just awful yesterday. It's just a, you know, a couple inches here, a couple inches there, uh, better, you know, more accurately run route would, you know, would have helped things. Um, not that he was without blame because he did overthrow 
you know, a few guys and and had kind of that arm punt on the interception to to Kumaro, but ultimately they weren't that far away from from really kind of eviscerating this team. It's just for a half there, everything that could go wrong did. Yeah, and to touch on Rodgers, you're 100% right. And is what the frustrating thing about it is, you know, you hear about like EPA and stuff like that, which is it's just like pro football focus. It's a piece of the puzzle. You can look at it. That's fine. It does not tell the whole story. Um, I was frustrated watching Rodgers yesterday. I'll admit, I, I, you know, at times it's just it's hard to it's hard to figure out what's going on with him. But then there's other times, like you just noted, it's it's almost like if he does not throw a perfect ball. His receivers are not helping him out. And heck, even sometimes when he does throw a perfect ball, like that Jimmy Graham catch, I've tweeted it like five times. I'm still upset about that play because you could not walk up to him and hand him the ball in his lap any more perfectly. And he he drops it. Like, come on, man. Like I, I'm still getting fired up even thinking about it now because everything you just said, too. That well, that's a tone setting play. And he drops it. Like, and that's just been the story of his season where it's like, man, he makes some plays. He he does. Like he's he's not a he's not a terrible player, but it's just like when they need him the most, he just isn't there always. And it's it's frustrating. And you you look at this offense and they there there absolutely needs to be an infusion of talent in the pass catching room. Tight end receiver. I don't care who it is. I, I, I would not care whatsoever if the Packers took a receiver in the first and second round next year. This is such a deep receiver class that I wouldn't mind at all. Um, now, could they use those assets somewhere else? Sure, but I don't think that would be wasted. Um, so it's it's just a it's just a frustrating thing. And but even with even with that all said, Russ, they're in the playoffs. They're thirteen and three. Um, they have some guys that can make plays if they can just if they can just lock it in and figure it out. Um, Alan Lazard, once again, hopefully, you know, we'll hear more about his ankle injury that I think he suffered. Did he, and actually, let me ask you, did he come back in the game after that? I don't remember. I, I'd have to take a look. I'm still working through kind of my rewatch uh, as I was so rudely interrupted by my co-host here. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, it's something I'd have to look at. And, and I'll just say, I mean, I will disagree with you very firmly on uh, doubling up at that spot, I, I think. You know, you've got a guy in Lazard that that's definitely part of your long term. Uh, Adams is obviously part of your long term. When you look at the truly great teams in the NFL, teams that are winning Super Bowls, it, it, it's not teams with three or four studs at wide receiver. Now, is it better to have good players than bad players? Absolutely, of course. But Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl throwing to you know Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski and a bunch of mailmen. And Drew Brees might do the same thing this year. Uh, Jimmy G, you know, could could kind of do the same thing without even a true stud. You can argue Manny Sanders is is good. He, he's been okay. Uh, you can argue that you know uh, Debo Samuel is a good rookie, but over and and above, I, I think the Packers would be fine either spending a first or a second round pick on a receiver. Uh, and then, as I mentioned earlier, I would like to see you know, uh, a veteran, whether you bring A.J. Green in at 32 years old, whether you break the bank and bring in Amari Cooper, Robbie Anderson would be just a phenomenal fit, or just sign Emmanuel Sanders, which is something that they could have blown a second-round pick on, 
And, you know, everybody's like, oh, man, every time he every time he makes a catch, I hear from Packers Twitter. But if you look at his actual numbers for the 49ers, they're, they're not it's not certainly uh, those nine games are not worth a second round pick to me. If you look at what he's produced, it's not like he's revolutionized their offense. But at any rate, I agree with you, maybe not on the details, because I just rookie receivers are unreliable and. They take two, three years to develop, and next year should be a year that they'll be pretty good, and all the reasons that I'm not for it. You are right in that they desperately need either massive progression, and that's the other reason I would caution, right? Because you saw the sophomore slump from Devontae Adams. He became a great player. Go look at Jordy Nelson's rookie season, uh, Greg Jennings' rookie season. I mean, I mentioned Metcalf. People thought Greg Jennings had a pretty good rookie year. He had like 600 yards received. You know, um, uh, Metcalf with 900 yards and seven is is beyond that. But you look at Jennings' rookie year, you look at James Jones, you look at Jordy Nelson. These guys are not lighting it up until their third, fourth year in Green Bay's program. Now, it's a different offense, but I feel like you have to at least – at some point, and, and you can have plenty of receivers in camp. I get that too. You know, at some point you have to hope that either EQ or MVS makes that third year leap. If that happens, you sign a veteran and you draft a guy in round one or round two with this deep receiver class, then maybe take another flyer in round four or round five if you if you're really feeling uh, that you need to upgrade that position. But the ultimate point is one that I agree with you on, and that is that okay, if Rodgers is gonna take up that much of your cap, which it's a lot, then he needs to be the driver of great offense, not somebody that needs a ton of talent around him for great offense. At the same time, absolutely nobody is making a play for him. Not after the catch, Pro Football Focus tweeted out that the Packers have forced 10 missed tackles from their wide receivers this season. 10. It's just not enough. I mean, you go back and look at you know, the, 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 the things that Donald Driver and Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings were doing to people in the open field, uh, even Jermichael Finley running through tackles, they just don't have that guy. Is there an easier guy to tackle in football right now than Jimmy Graham? I, I don't know. Uh, they are not making plays on the football. These guys that Rodgers is playing with, outside of Adams and Jones, who honestly Jones has his own issue with, with drops in the passing game, Nobody is making a play beyond the play that is exactly right there for them to make. Yeah, and I think so philosophically, I think we agree that the Packers need to probably add one to two pass catchers next year, which, like you said, that could that could still come from within. If the Packers don't add anything in the passing game, which would People not would which probably isn't gonna out. happen. They would freak. But you still have, like you mentioned, MBS. Is 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 a young guy, but judge him off of what he can do, and he's a guy that you can still be excited about. Sure, he needs an off. He needs another offseason. I I feel like his confidence is just is so shook right now that he kind of has the yips. But a guy that I and I was thinking this the other day, like where would where would EQ be right now on this team? You know, he could he could potentially be their number two receiver right now. I mean, he was a he was another rookie um, that probably fell in the draft. Super talented guy. Showed signs his rookie year. I actually really like 
coming into the season, EQ was a guy that I was more excited about than MVS, um, just because I think he has more of a complete skill set than MVS. Uh, you look at Sternberger too. Next year will be year two. Tight ends take a minute to to develop in this league. Look at you know Mike Gidzecki down in uh, Miami is starting to be a guy that has is starting to come on. You know this is year three for him. That tight ends just take time. Um, so there could still be a ton of improvement from within. And I know that's that is totally looking at it through green and gold glasses. It really is. Um, but it's not unheard of for guys to develop. So uh, this year, though, w- what's going to happen? Uh, it's hard to say. You know, MVS could the light bulb could come on for him. And he's shown in the past that, you know, what, for whatever reason, maybe him and Rogers finally get on the same page in their 17th game together this season. Far fetched. Probably so. You know, Alan Lazard, hopefully he's healthy, healthy. Um, I mentioned this on Twitter. He's not a guy you want to be your wide receiver too, but he is a guy you absolutely want on your team. He's he, he's he's been kind of their go-to third-down guy, so um, that's been encouraging. But for the Packers moving forward next year, you know we'll have plenty of time right, to talk about this in the oh, offseason, sure. yeah. and it, it will be talked about. You know, this is going to be something that you know Packers Twitter and you and I will will probably go back and forth on receivers that we like, that we don't like, whatever. You know, all that stuff is fun. Um, but that will be kind of that, that'll be a driving force this offseason, something fun to talk about, especially because receivers are just kind of fun to talk about anyways. Um, but so looking forward, Ross, looking into the playoff scenario, uh, the Packers will play the highest remaining seed um, in the divisional round. So there's there's no chance they can play the Vikings. They're the sixth seed. No chance um, they'll play them unless it's the NFC championship game. Um so really, you're looking at, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're looking at Seattle, you're looking at New Orleans, and you're looking at, who am I forgetting? Philadelphia. Who of those three teams would you most want to play in the divisional round at Lambeau? Uh, New Orleans, because of how bad Drew Brees has been outdoors late in seasons the last two years. Yeah, no, that's, that's spot on. That's exactly what I was going to say. And so if New Orleans, they're the four seed, Right. Uh, no, New Orleans is going to have to be the three because the Eagles have to be the four because they like they have a five hundred record basically. Right. Okay. So so we're looking for a New Orleans victory in the wild card round, um, and I'm with you one hundred percent. New Orleans doesn't scare me. Seattle really doesn't scare me in Lambeau Field either. Uh, honestly, as weird as this, as weird as it sounds, Philadelphia. You know, they already came into Lambeau Field and won once this year, which it's it's not easy to beat a team twice in a year, especially twice at home. Uh, but Carson, I mean, and this is going to sound homer because we're both NDSU guys, but Carson Wentz scares me. Out of, that, out of that group of quarterbacks at Lambeau Field, Carson Wentz scares me more than Russell Wilson, scares me more than Drew Brees. Um, so he's as odd as that sounds. Uh, that's who I would least like to play of that group of three. And that might be that might be weird. That might be wrong. Um, but honestly, that also indicates, you know, the Packers getting that home game is is a pretty big deal. Because imagine going to New Orleans. Imagine going to Seattle. Those are scary games. Um, but you play in that Lambeau Field. They're seven and one at home. Uh, you know, things are you know, this might be this might be the worst 13 and three team to ever make the playoffs. And heck, it might be the worst 13 and three game, team to ever make it to the NFC championship game. So. Uh, that's something to look forward to. That's something to pay attention to this next week. Um, 
which will be discussed a bunch this week on Pack-A-Day podcast because obviously the Packers are not playing this weekend. Um, so there'll be a lot of speculation, a lot of uh, things to, to look forward to uh, during the wild card week. Uh, but other than that, I mean, yesterday, the season's over, uh, expectations, and be, this will be the last thing I guess we can talk about because this would be the first, you know, end-of-year podcast, I guess, for the Packers. And looking at it, 13-3, and three, I think my beginning of the year prediction for the Packers was 10 and six. So it's hard to be upset. Ross, what were your, if you can think back that far, you know, it's a long season, but what were your expectations for this team? And if you can remember, um, if you predicted, I, I think I said 11 and five or 10 and six. Um, I, I really thought, and honestly still think, especially the way you look at this, uh, you know, salary cap and where green Bay, where their kind of window is now with the way that Gutekunst has, spent money and assembled the roster. I think 2020 is kind of the year uh, that you're looking at. You got lots of cap space in 2021, 22 uh, ability to have some of these earlier in the round guys that you like enter their, you know, prime their third, fourth, if they get a second contract then their fifth, sixth NFL seasons, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get into prime Jair and prime Kevin King and, and you know, prime Kenny Clark and these guys, you know, eventually we're going to get into prime Jay Sternberger and, and these guys that have been taken that are being really relied upon but, but aren't right now like what they're eventually going to be uh, as, as players. And so that in conjunction with, the financial flexibility to add a veteran where it where it would help or where it would matter, that was kind of my thought process then and now. Now, if they you know accidentally went to the Super Bowl, nobody's going to complain around here. But I think twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one are really the years that uh, you know Lafleur has a chance to to make his mark. Yeah, and I agree with you. Yeah, that's this is at the beginning of the year. I really maintained even throughout this year the success they've had. I really do feel like this is kind of a soft rebuild. This is a two-year rebuild, and I'm with you. Next year is really the year where my expectations are going to be. This is this is a Super Bowl caliber team. You know, you're going to have Gutenkunst in his second off season of really attacking free agency, um, and Matt Lafleur with a year under his belt, knowing exactly what he wants to fit with this group of guys that he has already and knowing them so much better than he did last offseason, um, that's a big deal. You know, he, he's going to know what he wants. He's going to tell Brian what he what he wants, what he needs. And, you know, Goody's proven in the past that he'll go out and get them. Um, so next year is really going to be where my expectations are high. But that's also why this year has been so much fun is because I don't have expectations for this year. Like I said, I was thinking 10 and 6 wildcard team would be – would be a lot of fun. Would be a great sign for this team in Matt Lafleur in the Matt Lafleur era. They've blown those expectations out of the water. Uh, like you mentioned, if they go out and accidentally win a Super Bowl, uh, that'll be okay. We'll be fine with that. We'll try to win one next year too. Um, so uh, fun stuff. You know, just enjoy it. This is this is a lot of fun. You appreciate it more after two years of kind of wandering in the wilderness. So uh, go Packers. It's it's fun. It's been a fun year to follow them and a fun year to cover them. Um, but I don't have anything else. Uh, Ross, thanks for joining me. That's uh, good to get back on track with you, buddy. Um, next time Ross and I will be on pack a day podcast will be two Tuesdays from now, which will be, we'll, we'll know exactly what happened in that uh, divisional round and we'll break that down and 
uh, we'll do all that all that fun stuff. Um, and then First and 10 for the 17 to San Francisco. Give Jones around the right end, gets a block, makes the turn, 10 to the 5, to the end zone! Second and two, six-yard line to Minnesota, tied at seven apiece. Graham tight end right side of the line, three receivers punch on the left, Rodgers under center. It's motion to the right, here's the pitch, Jones around the left end. He's got Bakhtiari blocking in front, Jones makes the turn to the pylon, to the end zone, for the touchdown. Second and short, get Jones, big hole, right side, 20, 15, 10, to the go. end zone, touchdown! Takes the snap, delay, hands it off, Jones up the middle with a burst. There he is. 15, 10, 5, high stepping, end zone, touchdown. Packers aren't going anywhere today. They are here to play. 33 yards, touchdown burst to match the number on the jersey of Aaron Jones. Oh my goodness, what a play. Jimmy Graham wide to the right side. Three receivers bunched tight on the left. Aaron Jones on the left side of the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers in shotgun. Hand off Jones. Picks his way off the right side. Fights for the goal line. And did he get in? Yes, he did. Touchdown. Single back offense behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks in under center. From the 29 of Green Bay, and here's the handoff off the middle. Big hole, straight ahead. Here's Aaron Jones off to the races, to the 20, to the 15, to the 10, down the left sideline, and he's out of bounds. Inside the 10 of the five-yard line of Miami. Aaron Jones with a first, 67 yards. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.